You want your five star matches? You want your thirty minute classics? Not me. Big meaty man slapping me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Randall Beatley. Um, and uh, we, we, we got some stuff to talk about here. It's a pretty exciting time in uh, the world of the WWE, which is what I mostly watch. Um, we have the draft upcoming. We finally get a date for that. Now... Uh, if you go back to my episode where I talked about how I would present the draft, I talked about how they should not do a two-day draft, right? They, they should not do it two days. They should take a Monday Night Raw, use all three hours, and and present it as if it was a legitimate production as the, 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 the main event of the night rather than a sideshow. Now, I, I'm not, I don't know how they're going to present it, but they're doing a two-day draft. Uh, Friday, uh, the twenty uh, eighth, and then May the first, the, the next Monday will be the the days for the draft. I'm not a huge fan of them starting the the WWE draft on the same night as the NFL draft. And I get it. It's it's day two of the NFL draft. It's rounds two, three, and four. But round two, round three, round four are still important uh, draft rounds for a lot of people who watch the NFL. I will promise you, I will spend more time watching the NFL draft on Friday the twenty eighth. Just because I I think. Personally, the NFL is more entertaining at times than wrestling. And it's not against the product. I just think timing-wise, even if you wanted to make it a two-day draft, a two-day event, you could have started it May 1st and then had um, May May 5th, that Friday, be the draft. Um because and listen, listen to why I would do it that way. Now I don't know if they're doing SmackDown the fifth from Puerto Rico. I would assume they wouldn't. Um, but the next day, the sixth, is Backlash at Puerto Rico. Um, and so I I don't want to come off like oh this is stu-. it's not the stupidest thing I would have just. Started on the 1st, then ended it on the 5th on that SmackDown. And a lot of people were like, well, that's go-home week. Personally, in my opinion, Backlash backlash itself is typically just a, a rehash of WrestleMania. And so there's really not any story added to it. Um, 
but especially with it being a Puerto Rico show, it's a tribute show. Uh, WWE does a lot of these, you know, when they do these things where they go overseas, right? And and they they have three, essentially three tribute shows this year. They had Elimination Chamber in Canada. Now there was the the what was the major story going into Elimination Chamber? Sami Zayn and the Bloodline, right? Sami Zayn getting the title opportunity going into his hometown in Montreal, right? What's going to be the major story going into Puerto Rico? Rey Mysterio, Bad Bunny, Dominic, Damian Priest, as well as Zelina Vega, right? So essentially, it's the Judgment Day versus the the LWO, right? That's going to be the major story because it's a tribute show to Puerto Rico. They're going to make the show about the Puerto Rican stars, right? When they went to Clash of the Castle last year, what was the major event, right? They they put Drew McIntyre. They elevated Drew McIntyre, who for the last, like, three or four months prior to Clash at the Castle was battling for the in, in what we would call the mid-card. He wasn't a main event player at the time, and they just inserted him because they were going to the U.K., Right, and I have a feeling that something along that line is going to, going to happen at Money in the Bank, which is in London. Now, I think that's not going to be a complete throwaway show, but I think a lot of what would be going on there would be focused around the UK, and that's at, you know July first. Um, the Saudi show going into the end of May. That's a throwaway show. You don't really need a lot of stories. You just please the crowd because you're only going there once or twice a year. Um, or in the case of Puerto Rico, I don't think they've had an actual event in in the country of Puerto Rico for like 10 years, if, if, if I remember why this was such a big deal, right? And so I don't necessarily think you should worry about go-home week because there's not much story anyway. And if you're doing a draft, you could do the draft the first and the fifth, have a whole new roster, just go in complete backlash, and when you get out of backlash is when you start with the new roster, right, with the new stories that you're going to tell. So that, I just don't like, the, first off, I don't like presenting the WWE draft over a total of five hours. I don't think that's necessary. Um, I think everything that needs to be done for the draft could be done in the three-hour period of a single Monday Night Raw. Um, and and I think a lot of it has to do with the brand. Or not the brand, the, the network. that that Because they are on two separate networks, I think NBC with the USA Network and Fox, I think they both equally want representation of the draft on their network to get the ratings bump. And I'm I'm convinced, I'm convinced, depends on who's negotiating, that I, if I was WWE, I'm going fully on Fox. I think it's a better network to be on. I think it gets you more viewership. Um, USA Network is a sense, like, they... There's not a lot of sports that they cover on that are on Mondays, um, but USA Network for NXT, you know, sometimes you have to move NXT around the, the sports schedule. 
um, especially during March Madness time um, or during the NBA season, you might have to move around. Excuse me. Most of their games are Wednesdays, um, but you, you get my point. I, I just don't like battling with, with USA Network ex- essentially becoming, um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the NBC Sports Network they got rid of that, and everything that was on NBC Sports Network, NBCSN, moved to USA Network, um, and that was a way to get USA viewership. Because if USA Network was essentially Law and Order, right? There was that was that was the viewership was essentially Law and Order, and if you liked uh, Chris Lee knows best or whatever the name of that show was, Chris Lee obviously doesn't know best because he's in prison right now, um, but. Uh, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> anyway, so with the draft coming up, it's I'm excited about it either way because the main topic we're talking about today is it appears that this facade of Triple H being in complete control over the last six months since SummerSlam has been lifted, and he wasn't in control. He didn't have full control the way he wanted, and it appears that starting with the draft, Triple H is getting full control of creative. This is, exci- this is exciting. This is very exciting. I have some worries, and we'll, we'll cover. That's, that's going to be the main topic today of what, what are pros of Triple H finally getting full control and what are some of the things that I'm worried about. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that coming up. And then we're going to end the show with a new segment. So I'm going to end the shows from now on called One Must Go. And essentially what One Must Go is going to be is I'm going to to have three things, whether it's three wrestlers, three events, three gimmicks, three uh, title belts, something. And one of those things and all of its history has to be deleted. From WWE history. Now I know people have done this before. Um, but this is something that I want to do. And give my perspective on. On this. Um, but let's talk about Triple H. right? The Triple H era is here. Officially. Next Friday. right? There's about two more shows. Where we can say Triple H doesn't have. Full control of the roster. I'm super excited. I'm super excited. Excited for Triple H to fu- for the veil to be lifted, for Triple H to get full control, and I just need to preface this real quick. Back when the Endeavor deal was made, back when the Endeavor deal was made, the Vince McMahon was sitting with Ari Emanuel, and they were doing an interview. I don't remember with who, but he was a- Vince was essentially asked if he would still be involved in creative. And he said, at a higher level, but I won't be in the weeds. And everyone on TikTok that I saw uh, said, well, in the weeds just means he was hiding, and now he's going to be at the forefront again. And I said, no, that's not what in the weeds means. That's not what I took in the weeds as meaning. And maybe it's because I have more of a... uh, I've used the term in the weeds before when I worked restaurants, right? When you work restaurants, when you're super behind, right? 
when you're like super slammed and you have a lot of orders and you're just, it's just busy, right? We call that in the weeds, right? I've been at many different positions at at fast food places, right? I've worked as a cook. I've been crew trainer. I've been a manager. I've been, right? And as a manager, a lot of times it's about delegating, right? So when you're a manager at, at a fast food restaurant, it's, hey, do this. Hey, this is your position. I'm here to help, but I'm not going to do everything for you. Because the managers have paperwork to do. They have to hire. They have to fire. They have to oversee the whole store, right? So a lot managers can't be placed in one position. But when we're in the weeds, when we're in the weeds, we're hands-on. We're leading the ship, right? And so when he said, I'm not going to be in the weeds no more, I took that as I'm not going to be all hands on deck. I'm not going to be the guy in control. That's what I took Vince McMahon as saying, I'm not going to be in the weeds anymore. That he's not going to be the guy uh, doing the physical labor, right? If you think of in the weeds, like I immediately thought of a dude, like a landscaper who was pulling the weeds and mowing the grass. He's not going to do that no more. He's going to be at a higher level of management because he's third in charge of the entire company. That, that is forming, right? So I, I took Vince McMahon and what I believe correctly, I wanted to say I was right. And I'm going to take that. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I'm going to say that I was right in my interpretation of In the Weeds, that Vince McMahon is gone from creative from a day-to-day hands-on perspective, and now Triple H gets full reign. That's exciting, but it's also a little scary. It's a little scary for me. So we're going to go over some pros. We're going to go over some cons. We're going to start with the cons as to why I'm a little bit worried about Triple H. Everybody knows Triple H's premier live events. When he ran NXT, right? When he ran NXT uh, Black and Gold, right? The premier live events, the, the takeover events were the best events of the year in the wrestling industry. You had the best matches. It was entertaining, right? But my fear is, is that if that's what WWE becomes at at a main roster level, where it's just premier live events or the best events, and you don't really have story building up to it, it's just a good match, that's a fear for me. Because let's just be honest, NXT Black and Gold weekly programming was complete dog water. It was just about as good as... (laughs) drinking shit which is gross I, I would not recommend it I've never done it I, as the first thing that just popped it to my head but it, but it's dog water like it's it's NXT's black and gold programming I didn't watch the week to week programming right I, NXT is my favorite brand it has been since Sasha Banks Becky Lynch Bailey Charlotte right that that the women's uh, revolution there. You had the men at the time. You had Neville, which is now Pac for those who are are new newer to the industry. Um, you had uh, shoot at that time. You had Bo Dallas. Uh, I don't C.J. Parker. I think was his name here. Uh, he's now Juice Robinson in New Japan. He was here. NXT at that time was pretty fun. You had Solomon Crow for like a week. And then he disappeared. He went back to TNA. He's now, I can't think of his name right now. What is his name? Uh, he's, in, he's in TNA now. I, uh, I don't remember his, his, his name in TNA. Uh, 
But we had a lot of really good wrestling on at the time. And I think also, and this is this is going to be Saturday's episode. It's going to be me telling everyone how I got into wrestling again. Sort of my story with the with how I got into wrestling. I don't think I've officially told everyone the, the story of how I got into wrestling. So look for that on Saturday. That's going to be our Saturday episode. But when I was like 2014, 2015, this time frame of NXT, I was super hardcore. Because for like a short story, or long story short, you'll get the full story but on Saturday. But long story short, just a sort of condensed version, 2014, 2015 was when I got back into wrestling. And I got into it and I got into it. I was hardcore of all hardcore. So when I talk about the hardcore fans, it's not just someone who sits on his couch and has always been a casual fan is complaining about the weirdos in the crowd. No, this is someone who was one of, who was once one of the weirdos in the crowd. And what I realized was the product is it wasn't worth sitting here critique. No, I was on dirt sheets every day. I was you know, I had favorites and when they lost I complained. I sat here and I had a change of perspective. And, and you'll get the change of perspective on Saturday on what happened and why I've become more more casual in my viewership and how I view the, the industry. But NXT, like I was so big on it because it it was newer stars and I at the time loved women's wrestling. Like that was the main reason I watched NXT was because they had the best women's roster on the planet. Right? And and I still think to an extent, WWE has the best women's roster on the planet, but I don't think all of it's on the main roster. I think there's a lot of very good talent on the NXT roster right now that is not being watched because people just don't watch NXT, right? And and I think a lot of people still have the black and gold taste where the shows were quite boring, but the takeovers were great. And and. And right now, I still think they don't call them takeovers anymore. But the premier live events for NXT, fantastic. Some of the best shows you'll get. You could argue that Stand and Deliver was the best show WrestleMania weekend. You can argue that. Um, and their week-to-week product is mildly underrated. It is pretty decent if you take it into consideration what you're watching, right? Because I'll see a lot of people critique some of the newer stars on NXT. Oh, they, they can't wrestle. They're still green. They're, they're they're bad on a mic. And then I look at them and I said, yeah, because this is the developmental product, right? You can't compare. Like, I have a lot of people, my brother included. He's the number one guy I'm talking about here. My brother Please go, I'm not critiquing his viewers, he has the right to his opinion, if you want to know his opinion, go uh, look for the Junkyard Podcast on on YouTube, uh, or, or at YouTube on the Junkyard Media Group page, and while you're there, come, fo- come follow that, subscribe, click the notification bell, while you're there. You can watch us Thursday at 9 p.m. if you love football because ta- we talk pro sports. Come in here in a little bit. We're going to start bringing in some NCAA college football uh, discussion. 
Um, and uh, we ca- we call this the Call and Audibles podcast. So my brother's wrestling show and the Call and Audibles are on the Junkyard Media Group YouTube page. Like, like, share, subscribe. That's a little plug. Uh, I had to do it. You know, that, you know that's a professional tactic that people use. You know, that they, they'll, they'll be in the middle of their story, and, and they'll be like, it'll be like a random story about like just like a news story uh, of of a robbery or something, and they'll say a clever line, and then and then turn the story into their advertisement. I'm not good at it. I think my attempt at it just there was pretty good. But let's get back into to, to wrestling. Um, but, no, seriously, uh, this Thursday, so tomorrow, uh, we, we're doing our mock draft on the Call in Audible's podcast, and it's 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 going to be really fun. It's a new type of way that I've done mock. Typically, when I do mock draft videos uh, with my friends, it's typically like, hey, we all did a first-round mock draft. We're just going to go down the list. And that's the traditional way that people do their mock draft videos. Uh, we're going to do this a little differently. We're we're going to go pick by. We're going to do one official mock draft, five people, uh, and we're essentially becoming the GMs of the individual teams that we're picking for. And it's one mock draft rather than five, and it, it'll take a lot less time than than us going through five different people's mock drafts. Right. Anyway. Back to wrestling, because this is the wrestling podcast. This is what you came for, but I have to do my my housekeeping and and promote all my products. So that's Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, every Thursday. Come join us. Back to wrestling. So that's, that. So the fear that I just mentioned is the only fear I have with Triple H's show, or, or Triple H is being fully in control, which is... Him sort of neglecting the weekly show, not giving really good entertaining storylines, and then only really focusing on the matches at the premier live events. Especially if they do what I, what some people are fearing, and they're going to go back to a traditional pay-per-view model, like UFC model of, of pay-per-views where you have to pay like $70 to, to watch it. I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I ain't got the money to just be shilling out $70. Um, And I'll go ahead and say you do that. The AEW fans aren't going to watch it. And a lot of people are like, I'll just pirate it. I'm not that type of person. I don't care enough about the product to do something illegal. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I don't care about the wrestling business that much to do something illegal. Um... I can just get the results online and, and be just as content. Um, so, shoot, that's how I essentially grew up on wrestling was just Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown, and you uh, we didn't watch pay-per-view. But, again, that's that's, that's Saturday's episode. Let, let's talk about some pros, though, of Triple H's booking. Because I think Triple H has shown some sort of promise in his booking when he's good he's good when he is good he is good and why am I fully excited that the gloves are coming off because I think Triple H is going to be very good right I think I think he's going to do some things with this roster during the draft that will surprise people and will ultimately be for the benefit of the roster I think splitting the Street Profits up will benefit the roster. I think Angelo Dawkins 
while not as good as Montez Ford, can hold his own. And I personally feel that they need to bring back the Hurt Business with Angelo Dawkins, with uh, Omos, with, and you could put in Cedric and, and Shelton Benjamin if you want. I was thinking like Omos, uh, the hell is his name? Uh, Angelo Dawkins, Carmelo Hayes, and Trick Williams from NXT. I think that would be a, a like a new and approved hurt business. Um, I mean, that would require. I mean, that would require either Angelo and Omos going down to NXT, which I'm all down for. Omos needs the work in NXT, and I think Dawkins going down to NXT is not a demotion. Right, I think NXT needs some of the guys who have main roster experience to help make the show look good. And I also think Triple H is going to sort of strip the developmental title from NXT and and, and make it a third brand. Which, that's, that's sort of a scary thing. That's sort of a tweener thing that I think he's going to do. I'm excited for it, but I'm also worried about it. Because there's a lot of people in NXT right now who are not ready for like main roster... Um, they don't have the ability yet. It is purely developmental. Um, and then, like, so, yeah, Dawkins going down to NXT with Omos and, and forming with Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes would be a great version of the Hurt Business that can eventually lead to them going back to the main roster in three to four months, right? That would be that would be really a really cool idea, right? But Montez Ford without a doubt, deserves to have a singles run. And I would love if him and Bianca turned heel and have like a heel power couple gimmick and just have Montez Ford go out and just talk talk his shit and just prove that he's the one of the best wrestlers in this business. He is athletic. He has charisma. I think Montez Ford, to me, is probably my favorite guy on the roster right now. Just being completely honest with you. I love Montez Ford. His ability in the ring. I'm not a big guy. I'm not a guy who's really big on in-ring work, right? But what Montez Ford does, he doesn't rely on the flips. But when he does it, ooh, it's, it's clean. It's. It, I don't think I've ever seen him make a serious mistake in the ring. Um, and that just could be me just not paying attention and remembering all his matches. But I, I don't I don't recall him ever making like a really serious mistake in the ring. Um his his ability on the mic is like next level compared to some people on the roster. And he just needs this he just needs a singles run. So I'm all for that, right? Splitting up that tag team. Um NXT like this is going to be the sort of night after WrestleMania moment that we were waiting on. And I'm actually kind of glad that they waited on it, right? Because I think, as I said in my How I Would Present the Draft video, the draft should be a yearly event. You should shake the rosters up every year the night after WrestleMania. It would be a the best way to introduce the, the NXT call-ups. It would be the best way to introduce new signings. I think we're going to get some new signings at this draft that will completely shake up the business. 
I think we're going to get some new, like Triple H loves the indie scene. I think he's going to bring a, bring in some new Japan guys. Um, uh, that will completely just shake up the roster. I don't have any sources, but I know that they've been talking to Tama Tonga from New Japan. Uh, is it Hikilo from New Japan? And they haven't debuted yet, right? Eric Young has been on the roster since November and hasn't come back yet. This is a perfect opportunity to get him on screen to let let you know that he's there, especially if they're bringing Sanity back. If they could get Madman Fulton, who has left WWE, he got released by WWE, and has just completely been killing it on the indie scene. Madman Fulton was a guy that I I really liked. Uh, a lot of people didn't like him, but I enjoyed him. He was very green when he was in WWE, and him having the ability to go and work with TNA and go and work the indie scene and really work on his craft, Fulton has done a very good job. So if they're bringing in... Sanity again, Eric Young, uh, Madman Fulton, uh, Alexander Wolf. There was one other person, I, oh, Big Damo, which is probably, that's his indie name. I can't, Killian, Killian, I can't think of, I, I want to say Killian Haynes, but that's a basketball player. Uh, I can't think of his name when he was in WWE, but Big Damo, he's uh, Nikki Cross's uh, husband. And, of course, Nikki Cross. Um, for y'all don't know, Madman Fulton was only part of Sanity for like two weeks and then got removed for, I think, Alexander Wolf. But anyway, the point is, if you're bringing all of these people in and you're going to form Sanity, that changes the game. That's a new faction, right? Maybe we reintroduce Bray Wyatt. Apparently, he was legitimately hurt. Reintroducing Bray Wyatt at the draft. Maybe having him pick up whatever he was doing. I don't know how you introduce him, uh, but bringing him back into the fold. The draft is just a great way to to organize the roster because right now it's just a bunch of disorganized cluster. It's a clusterfuck. Right? So, yeah, I'm excited about this draft. I really am. I just... There's a worry about Triple H for me. Like I said, if, is he going to focus primarily on just making the premier live events good? Or is he going to tell us stories to, to make us want to watch? And then sort of the smaller fear that he's just going to focus solely on signing independent talent and not working on developing. I like WWE's developmental strategy. right? I like the way WWE does their developmental. It's a system that I would utilize. Right, if you take people who have never wrestled, have never trained in wrestling, but you know are athletic, if you take these college athletes and you train them in your style of wrestling, you won't have to worry about them doing something you don't like. Like, like there's a lot of people on the indie scene who've been trained by people who run the indie scene, and they have a lot of bad habits, they have a lot of things that WWE doesn't like, and so you sign them, and you sign someone who's been doing them for 20 years, it's hard to get them to stop doing these bad habits. But if you have someone who has no habits, who has never wrestled a day in your life, think of someone like Sol Ruka, right, in NXT, if you watch NXT, Sol Ruka is one of the most improved wrestlers that I've seen in the last six months, like from, from six months ago to now, she's massively improved. Um, and I think because of that, she's earning a more prominent role in the show. 
Um, and she's become like if, if my my premier like example of what I'm talking about of going out. She was a college gymnast, I believe. I believe she was at the University of Oregon. She was signed out of college at one of these tryouts. I believe it was the Nashville tryout at at uh, SummerSlam last year. She was signed out of that tryout. You know, was trained how to wrestle. What right? And another guy is Tank Ledger, who just debuted. He, uh, Joe Spivak, I think is his real name. If you're a Northwestern football fan, you will know that name. He was uh, one of your defensive linemen, I believe. Uh, he was one of your off- offensive or defensive linemen on Northwestern two or three years ago. Um, he was one. He was in the in- initial class when WWE announced their next in line or their NIL, their first class of NIL superstars that they picked. Joe Spivak was one of them. When he released his uh, his announcement video that he had been in, like, so basically what they did is they had every single one of them who was in the class, you know, go on TikTok or go on Instagram and put a video of them saying that they're in the next in line class. He was the only one who did some sort of production, right? He did a promo for his video where he, he I wish I could show it to you guys. If you go look up, I think his name is Joe Spivak, S-P-I-V-E-K, I believe. And um, S-P-I-V-A-K, Joe Spivak. He was, um, a defensive lineman for Northwestern. He signed with this NIL thing, and he really, he was the only one that released a promo. And I said on the day he released it, the day they announced the class, I said they're going to sign him, and he's going to flourish. He now goes by the wrestling name Tank Ledger. He just debuted on NXT television. He's been on Level Up a few times. The dude is a natural at the business, but was never trained. And you know what WWE does? They find these natural talents, these athletes, right? They find these guys. They bring them into the performance center, and they train them in the WWE method of, of wrestling and how and, and sports entertainment. And they get the wrestling training. They learn how to take a bump. They learn how to do these moves. And then they go on to NXT television, and you're like... Right, and it's so much better than bringing in a guy. Like everyone's upset that WWE didn't get Jay White. I'm not saying Jay White has bad habits. I really don't know a lot about him. I have I've seen like three of his matches. But it's, it's better to bring in a guy like Joe Spivak than Jay White because Jay White may have bad habits. He may not understand the WWE system, and now you're gonna have to retrain someone who's already been trained. And it's harder to retrain someone than it is to train them for the first time. So I love WWE's developmental system. Don't get rid of it. Continue bringing in athletes, right? Because we, tr- I can truly say that WWE has the best athletes in the wrestling business. Right? They have the best athletes in the wrestling business. They go around and they get these 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 college players who may not be good enough to make the draft. Like, they're about to bring in the Cavender Twins. Now, the Cavender Twins were signed for a different reason, not for their 
athletic ability, though they are athletic, they were signed because, you know, they only got so many video uh, views and, and followers on TikTok because of how they look. But that's not a bad thing. People assume that if you just judged them off of their looks, which is, right, they're athletic. I'm going to say it. They're athletic. Who knows how their wrestling is going to be? But you need it. Sometimes you, all you need is just a pretty face. We saw that with Tori Wilson, not Tori Wilson, with Stacey Keebler. Uh, I mean, we saw it with Tori Wilson as well. But we just saw Tori, God, I keep wanting to say Tori. We just saw Stacey Keebler get put into the Hall of Fame. Whether you think she deserves it or not, I think she does. I think in a time of, in the time that she was wrestling, she was pretty important to, um, to the to women in, in, in wrestling, as well as her just her entire story of how she was literally signed to be a cheerleader for WCW. She was a Nitro girl. But the fans loved her, and, 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 and there was a reaction about her, and she was beautiful. And so what happens? She gets put into storylines, right? She gets put into the, the programming. And then she learns how to wrestle. And then she goes to WWE. And she does a very decent job for the the era, the era of women's wrestling that she was in. Would she survive in today's women's wrestling? I don't think so. But I still think there would be a place for her today. I still think there's a place for sex appeal in today's wrestling. In today's women's wrestling. When you, you have the people like the Sasha Banks... And you're like, oh, it's Mercedes. No, it's Sasha Banks. I don't care about her New Japan character. It's Sasha Banks. That's how I know her, right? And, and let me just talk about this for a minute. She still has Sasha Banks in her Twitter bio, which is weird for me. Because a lot of people completely wipe that away when they leave WWE. They right? I still think at some point in the next year, she's going to be back at WWE. And she's talking about, and this is sort of a sidetrack here. She's talking about, oh, she wants to make the full move to Japan. Go at it. Have at it. See how difficult that lifestyle is. I don't think a lot of people truly recognize how hard it is to run the indie scene. I'm not a wrestler. I've never done it. But I I assume it's difficult having to travel, right? Having to go to places you can't speak the language. Like, I don't think I would ever sign with New Japan if I was a wrestler. Because I would have to learn a new language. I would have to learn a new culture. I would have to learn a new... Uh, I would have to, first off, the stiffness, the Japanese strong style is not for me, right? I've already talked about this um, in another episode when we talked about Bret Hart talking about not him not wanting to get chopped. I don't want to be chopped 150 times. I don't want stiff wrestling to me. I don't want to face Shinsuke Nakamura, right? That That's not for me. If I was a wrestler, I would be in it for the entertainment factor. Like, I would be like... I wouldn't want to get beat the shit up every single day of the week. Like a lot of these independent stars do. These guys who run the independents get the shit beat out of them every weekend for like 48 weekends a year. Or how many ever weekends a year that they work. It's insane. It's insane how the indie scene works. And it's difficult work. A lot of them don't get paid a lot. And I'm sorry for that. For the lack of money that an independent wrestler makes... I'm not getting myself, I'm not potentially ending my life doing stupid shit like some of these people do just for, you know, a $1,000 payday. 
I'm just not doing it. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, Triple H, I'm excited for. So let's move into the last segment of this episode, something we're going to do every episode starting today, here on out, one must go. Now, I haven't thought about this of the three. I'm just going to go off the cuff here. I, I did not plan this episode out at all. See, that's why it seems a little bit disorganized. I will plan. I just ran out of time. I'll be honest with you. Like I've been busy with, with my normal job and everything, and just ran out of time to write down a little a script, or not really a script, but like a, a outline of of uh, how I was going to do this. So one must go. Let's do. Let's just start with. While we're talking about women's wrestling, let's talk about women's wrestling. Let's see. One must go from the women's division, including all of their all their championship reigns, everything they've ever done in the business. Right. So let's talk about it. Which one would you get rid of? Charlotte Flair, uh, Trish Stratus, or Nikki Bella? Of those three. Now, to me, those are the representation of three eras of women's wrestling. Trish Stratus, I believe, was the best thing that came out of the ruthless aggression era of women's wrestling, right? I think from a wrestling standpoint, I think Lita was the best, but I think when you add in everything, the sex appeal that that they were trying to get across, the wrestling ability, I think Trish Stratus is the best thing from the, the ruthless aggression era when it comes to the women's division. Nikki Bella, the sort of in-between that and the current era, which is represented by Charlotte. But Nikki Bella, I believe, is the best thing that came out of the sort of, I don't know, what, what would we, we call like the, would we call it like the PG era? Um, with, you know, the, the 2010 through like 2017, 2018, like this newer era, right before what I'm going to call the current era of the women's revolution era, where Nikki Bella was sort of a but before that. You have AJ Lee as well, but I, I think Nikki Bella is a little bit more prominent than AJ Lee was. I also, I, I as much as a fan of, as I liked AJ Lee, the more I look back at it, she wasn't all that entertaining. She wasn't all that... i not saying she wasn't good. AJ Lee was really good at what she did. I just didn't... Looking back at her career, I just don't remember it. Right? Um, so, between Trish Stratus, which is the Ruthless Aggression era, the sort of... I don't know what you would call it. The PG era of women in the women's division. Let's call it the Divas title even though it was the Divas title all the way through, right? But, like, I don't know. I don't know what you would call Nikki Bella's era. And then we have the Women's Revolution era, which has been headlined by Charlotte Flair, Bailey, Sasha, uh, Becky. But Charlotte is the most successful and the most prominent of the Women's Revolution era. So one of those has to go. And whoever you choose, you have to get rid of all their accomplishments, everything that came out of they're, all of their matches get get deleted. This one is easy to me. I think it should be easy for everyone, and uh, it's Nikki Bella. I think we could have done without Nikki Bella in the in the wrestling industry, and and it's no shade. I personally was a bigger fan of Brie, um, just personally, um, and I just 
when you compare the three, this isn't saying that Nikki Bella was bad, right? Because because here's the fear: someone gets this, get, get someone's listening to this. They're going to clip it. They're going to tag Nikki Bella in it, and she's going to go on a Twitter rant about. And she doesn't care about my podcast. I know that, but she's going to go on a Twitter rant about how she was disrespected and how she was the reason the women's revolution started. And I'm just going to sit there and be like, sit, sit your ass down. You're not important, right? Out of the three, right? Nikki Bella was good. I think she should. I think the Bellas deserve their Hall of Fame run. Right, I, I think they do. A lot of people disagree with that. I think they deserve their run. Um, but I don't think that, like, in that era, Nikki Bella could have been removed, and I think we still could have had a decent women's era. We had a lot of underutilized women's wrestlers in that era. Alicia Fox was was was, was very good, very underrated. Um, we had Oksana. You had... Um, I'm trying to think of everyone you had there. Naomi and Cameron were there, and they were, you know, I I think Cameron was highly o- overlooked, underutilized. Um, is she, was she good? No, but I think if you developed, right, you you don't get rid of Charlotte Flair, and I just don't think you get rid of Trish Stratus. If we had like a, we we like to do like a Mount Rushmore of men's wrestlers. And when we talk Mount Rushmore, we always talk about the men. Let's do a Mount Rushmore of women's wrestlers real quick. I think you have to put uh, Trish on there. You have to put Charlotte on there. And the other two spots are up for debate. Um, Right, but those two are pillars of this industry in the women's division. And so you just don't get rid of, you just don't get rid of that history. Nikki Bella is just the odd one out here where she meant a lot to her era but that era just was a down a down spot in women's wrestling. Even in Trisha's era, where it was more bra and panty wrestling and mud, the the mud shows and and sex appeal, they still I felt I felt that era was still more prominent than Nikki Bella's era. And for that alone, you get rid of Nikki Bella when you have this opportunity. All right. Thank y'all for listening. This has been. The Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. Let me know what you guys think. Comment um, or send me a, a, a DM or whatever. Tweet me at We2Deep413. That's also my uh, my TikTok link. To get the links to all of my podcasts or so the merch site, go to my Twitter. Order my TikTok. The link in the bio of each is my link tree. It will take you to all the links that I have. Other than that, thank you all for, for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.